Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. My dad used to always say, there are two kinds of people in the world, Cameron. Astronomers and astronauts. Some look at the stars, others swim in them. He looked like a younger, better-looking version of me. You don't believe me, do you? It's a really crazy story, Ken. Tony, did you give the Saturday morning slot to another show? They want a different host. Kent Armstrong. I, I can't believe you crashed your car yesterday. I'm afraid I have no idea what you're talking about. He's like my antithesis. What? Some old ass Russian rocket fell from outer space and it crashed in our backyard. Welcome to Fairview Heights. You think this is just chance, all this happening right now? You're a scientist. What else would it be? Can I see it? Sure. Come on. You've got this pile of rocket crap right here. Why don't you just build your own rocket? It's not that simple. Yeah, it might be. <laughs> Remember when we used to talk about doing something fantastic? Whatever happened to that? I'm the only one who's even remotely rational anymore. Oh. You built this thing in like a month? Yeah. I'm about to do a test of the booster. You want to check it out? Three, two, one. What? Wait. Einstein came up with a theory of relativity when he was 26. You go do what you're destined for. It's not that simple. It's not that simple. Not that simple. Why do you always tell yourself that? What are you doing? something fantastic. The view is so great from out here, Cam! Shuttle launch in 19 seconds. Now, open your eyes. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 504. Releasing February 24 in theatres across the US is Linoleum, a sci-fi drama that stars Jim Gaffigan as a failing host of a kid's science show whose life changes when a rocket crash lands in his backyard. Blending the surreal with the intimate, the heartbreaking with the profound, Linoleum is a beautifully crafted and portrayed movie that I have to say is one of my favourite films of the year so far. And joining me now is the writer and director of Linoleum, Mr. Colin West. Colin, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, Matt, those were some kind words you just said. Thank you so much. Well, it's a movie that really touched me in a lot of ways. Number one, I'm a parent. And number two, I'm a man who's also in the pursuit of a dream. And I think that's something that really kind of touches with a lot of people. And it's not something that is brought up in the film that much as a as a concept, but something's always there. I'm obsessed with the the philosophy and notion of time. As I, as I get older, time is something that's always on my mind. And you know, in my pursuit of the dream, which is 
what I'm doing right now in the pursuit of your dream, which is what you're doing in regards to making films and such. Sure. I'm sure a lot of people can tap into many of the kind of emotions and everything else that comes through um, through the story here, especially Cameron's story yeah. played by Jim Gaffigan. Is that something that really sparked this move with you, that pursuit of a dream and maybe your pursuit of your dream as a filmmaker, living life as a filmmaker, wanted to be a filmmaker, I'm sure, when you're younger, yeah. and kind of putting that into this movie? Absolutely. You know, I, I think that's a really good sort of observation. I I definitely think that was a big inspiration. I mean, I, I started writing the screenplay in 2015, and that was um, during the first year of my graduate film program. So, mm. you know, at that time, you know, I was learning a lot and sort of getting into, you know, more serious filmmaking um, in a major way and sort of, yeah, of course, like dreaming and looking forward, but also kind of looking back at my life and what got me there and, and all of that. It's funny, like, you know, a lot of my movies and films have been about, um, like an older generation older than I am. And many people, including, I remember my dad, uh, many years ago was like, why do you always make films about old people? Like <laughs> you're not old, like you don't know what, you know, and, and, and like in an endearing way, I mean, he was asking that and I was sort of like, um, you know, I, I may not be like, you know, having a midlife crisis like the main character in this movie does, but like, I know what it's like to be older than I was. And mm -hmm. I do think those concepts of time and the relativity of time and how, um, you know, dreams and and your sort of like the vision of yourself is really intertwined with that, you know? Um, so I, I, I like that that's sort of something that you latched onto, Matt, because I do think it's sort of an integral part of the movie and really the arc of the movie itself through Cameron's story, you know? Speaking of how the older generation, is it true that your grandparents were kind of like the spark for a lot of what you know, we're seeing on screen? Yeah, they were for sure. So, you know, I think, you know, the movie has got a lot of kind of like sci-fi adjacent sprinkles and stuff all over it. But really, you know, when it comes down to it, it's, it's an intergenerational love story, you know, and that is, um, you know, sort of based on my grandparents who fell in love in high school and um, were together until they passed away a few years ago in their early eighties. And so, you know, that for me was definitely um, looking at their lives and, uh, you know, mixing that with sort of my own life, my own almost insecurities, you might say, like, I think led to this kind of smorgasbord of a of a movie, you know. Um, I wanted to talk about how sometimes films, films that deal with um, the surreal, sometimes the surreal in movies can kind of like float away, kind of like a balloon, <laughs> just going up into the ether, you know, something sometimes sure. it's hard to grab it. What I really um, think works in, in a, a linoleum is that you anchor that balloon. It's grounded onto the ground because of the the human, very, very real human emotions throughout the movie. How cognizant were you to make sure that whenever you kind of tap into things or present things on the screen that might delve into the surreal fantastical, that you always made sure that there was a counterpoint to that to make sure that the human side of the story always weighs that stuff down and keeps it grounded? Yeah, that's a really great question. I mean, it was a, it was certainly a delicate balance because, you know, the movie, you know, this isn't giving anything away, but within the first two minutes of the movie, uh, you know, a, a red 68 Corvette falls from the sky and lands in the middle of suburbia. Great you know? shot, by the way, <laughs> I just wanted to say as well. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that would, took a lot of planning. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, that sort of kicks things off. It 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 sets a tone, right? And, and we kept talking about in the movie about how we wanted to make uh make for a tone rather than a time and i think that was really important for us um and 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 with that obviously comes you know 
sort of these strange paradoxes, right? Because there's all these kind of different kind of like bizarre events happening, but to anchor them back to the characters like you're talking about was it became, it honestly wasn't as hard as you would think because the story, because knowing where the story is going helps you with that. So Mm. um, I was able to sort of like, you know, start a mystery in the movie right off the bat. But um, I didn't want to go too far with it ever to like really lose people and be like, well, I just don't care about this anymore. So I kept trying to bring it back around to the characters. Um, and, you know, if you really kind of keep some careful eyes or watch it a few times, you'll see a, a very, you know, there's a lot of repetition with props and and things that are there's clues everywhere. Um, so it's a it's a yeah, it's a, sort of a very it's a it's an Easter eggy kind of movie. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by TeePublic. TeePublic is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, TeePublic is sure to have something you will love. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Amazon, the world's leading online store. Amazon is your first stop to buy a wide range of products at competitive prices with fast delivery times. Amazon is also a world-class entertainment hub that includes Prime Video, Audible, Twitch, Amazon Music, and more. Sign up with Amazon today and experience the best in online shopping and entertainment. Please support Matt's movie reviews on Patreon. Get access to exclusive content, request movie reviews and top 10 lists, and help support my work. Please click on the Patreon link in the description below. I want to talk about Jim Gaffigan's performance in the movie. The casting of him as Cameron and also his doppelganger in the movie, I think is really inspired casting, especially of Cameron, because I think what makes Jim such an appealing person, such a successful person in his field of comedy and right now in his field of acting, which he's been doing more increasingly so, is that there's an everyman quality about him. And that there are things that you can latch onto Jim um, as a as a personality, as a, and, and even through his acting, that I think really shines through in the in the different uh, characters that he portrays. Um, when looking at cast of the film, and you, Jim comes across, do you think to yourself, you know, this is the type of everyday um, guy next door who might have those dreams, who might have those kind of like uh, those um, uh, something within him they still in pursuit that would have been really cool for his performance. Yeah, for sure, man. I think that's like exactly what I was feeling. I was, it was a, it clicked really quickly when his name came up. And um, yeah, obviously, like, you know, Jim's an incredible dramatic actor and he's been doing more and more dramatic roles and, and things like that. But, you know, um, obviously he doesn't have quite the recognition as an actor than as a comedian. And so it wasn't like he was, you know, somebody I had initially thought of like, completely but at the same time like he was the person i was looking for i just didn't quite know it until until he his name came up and it was like oh yes of course yeah and and also you know i had a phone call with him um you know his agency got the script and they they liked it and gave it to jim and he read it and and liked it and wanted to talk and and we did and he was like he had such he was such an inquisitive person um that was it was, he was clearly passionate about acting. It wasn't just like a, you know, something that he wanted to try or whatever. It's something that he's genuinely interested in and good at. And, uh, and I think that tracks on screen. Um, so working with him, that collaboration, I think was really, was really good. And and I felt really lucky. I mean, 
I'm glad you like the casting too. I think he's, I honestly like at this point, I just can't, I, I just don't think anybody else could do it, you know? No, me either. I think it's one of the, I think it's the best performance he's put on screen so far. I think it's going to be a real game changer for him in regards to roles that come his yeah. way because it's, it's such a multifaceted performance and it has so many layers to it and such. I think he just knocks it right out of the park. Um, yeah. You were talking before about Easter eggs and such. I always um, look at colors, use of colors throughout in, in movies. Um, and I just want to talk about one color in particular. So Ed Wu is your cinematographer in this movie. And okay. a color that really struck out to me, it was a color of orange. Orange mm. is something that pops up quite a bit in the film. It's there in the porch light. It's there in, in different kind of moments throughout the film, um, the sparks of the, of the rocket ship, et cetera. And Orange yeah. is a film that really talks about optimism and energy. Um, when, you'd use, when you were Ed are talking about the film and the use of colours, do you guys bring up those philosophical kind of uh, uh, context of the use of colour in regards to mood? Because if this is a movie as much a bit, bit of tone, the mood of a colour will change the tone more than anything else. Yeah, for sure. I mean, absolutely. Color was a huge part of the film. I mean, from everywhere from, yeah, obviously Ed Wu, cinematographer, our production designer, Molly Wartell, and, you know, our colorist, Al, uh, Al, Al, uh, over at, um, Photochem was like really like, it was very integral and very important. And we sort of took our time to make sure that it was, um, deliberate. I mean, we shot it, we we even held off shooting the movie until um, the fall season. We were shooting upstate in New York, mm. and um, you know we we waited until that time because we wanted those fall colors. We wanted that like all the trees to be golden and and red and and sort of focus on that sort of like very homely sort of like you know almost like every time there's a, a light on it's like a fire in the corner you know um because there's this nostalgic quality to it it's like I, I you know and this sort of comfort within the film um that I think tracks really well and so we were kind of doing that and then purple was our other really big color so we had like the fall colors and then purple on the other side to kind of contrast that and be like you know the stars in the sky and so forth um so yeah I'm glad you latched onto that stuff again like yeah, Alistair over at at Photochem was like really great. I mean, and 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 when we were coloring with with Al, he was like, he was like, I've never pushed colors this far. He's like, this is so saturated, you know. And he's really excited about it too. And so I'm glad that you're picking up on that stuff too. You mentioned the word production design. I wanted to bring up something in regards to the sci-fi show, the science show, I should say, that um, Jim's character has in the movie. I absolutely love the the look of it, the presentation of it, the zaniness of it. Um, yeah. From what I understand, those are the first things you guys shot in the movie. Um, yeah. Wow. And, you did your research. <laughs> yes, sir. And I just want to say, and I want to put it out as an idea as well for anyone out there listening, maybe your PR people or the people working on the film. I think you guys should put clips of that show on YouTube and present it as an actual show, as a really good number one educational thing. Because I think the stuff yeah. in the film is really cool. Because I have my kids watch that for sure. Yeah. If it's on yeah. YouTube. And number two, I think it'll be a great kind of promotional thing for the, for the movie as well. Because I think it, it just the look of it and the presentation of it and Jim doing it, it all works yeah. so spectacularly. It works so well. He's such a great sort of like kid show host in oh, that yeah. way. And that, I mean, that was like the no brainer. I mean, when it, when he, when he came up as far as casting goes, yeah, we shot that stuff the first day. And so I think we all had a lot of fun because it was a good way to kick things off. I will say, because yeah, it was like, he did a lot of improv and things like that. And um, yeah, I mean, we have 
so much of that show that we didn't we didn't end up using you know um so it's funny like how much extra footage of that stuff we have so it, it might find its way into the world at some point that's oh sure. man put it online and then at the end you just have linoleum available now yeah. on demand or whatever yeah. I, I, it, look, it looks awesome i, I really i really yeah. liked it um Thanks. final question final question um for me this film kind of nestles within these conflicting philosophical viewpoints that are in the movie so you have tony shalop's character he talks about how the universe it's something that's in our head and it's more real than reality itself it's you know, sometimes mm-hmm. the universe our perception of it what we make of it makes it more real than anything on the other hand you have the um kent armstrong character who's the doppelganger of um of um that jim gavigan plays he talks about in his sci-fi show his tag is the universe is rational so you have these two kind of viewpoints where one is like the universe is rational, which is very true. And the other viewpoint is the universe is what you make of it, which is also very true. And I kind of collide right. kind of in there. Right. I'm kind of, I'm a person who's kind of like in the middle there. I believe in both. And I think you can thread the line in between both. And that's the best way to go about it. Is that how you kind of look at your viewpoint in regards to that as well? That's exactly how I think as well. Um, I think that there is room for both. And this whole idea of you know, another sort of scientific aspect that's brought up a lot um, is this quote that all of the characters say, which is, it's not that simple. Mm. Um, At some point in the movie, they say that. And that's sort of this scientific idea where the, you know, it's a common knowledge that like the simplest answer is usually the right one, especially Mm. in science. And I think, um, you know, it's funny at the end of the movie, you know, Gaffigan's character ends up coming to the conclusion, um, oh, well, maybe it is that simple. And I do think that like letting go of like this sort of like, one thing or the other or like being too defined um i think is another sort of like thread throughout the movie especially you know you look at what the younger kids are going through and as they're like sort of like you know coming together with or coming to terms with their like sexual or you know like all of that stuff like um plays into the same themes here and and i think that you know that i don't know there's something about like accepting that all of these things can be happening all at once um And yeah, I'm glad you sort of recognize that as, you know, those two dueling, you know, viewpoints and then like finding the way to live within, you know, both. So, And I think that's the best way to go. I think the problem these days, especially I know the movie is set like not today, but I think it, you know, sort of way it talks about how these days too many people are divided into camps or one or another. You can be all. And I think that's right. what's really important for everyone to know. And um, I think Linoleum does a really good job presenting that and so many other things as well. And everyone out there listening, February 24th in theatres across the US, watch Linoleum. It's my, my favourite film of the year so far. You need to watch it on a big screen too, because as I said before, the cinematography is fantastic, performances, and also the score by Mark Hadley, that kind of lullaby score. I absolutely yeah. love that as well. Hopefully there's a soundtrack coming out for that. because it'll There be is, same day, it. same day. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's going to be great. And uh, Colin West, thank you so very much for your time. Congratulations with the movie. Best of luck with release. And hopefully we get to talk again in the future, man. It's been a pleasure. I hope so too, Matt. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks for your good questions.